week this week, and I'm glad you could join us tonight, and I hope you are blessed by getting to hear God's Word this evening. We finished up our series on Titus last week. We have been going through that book for a few weeks, and we finished that up. But in last week's message, I referenced the topic of justice. In particular, we looked at Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17, uh, as we were talking about what God desires of us as Christians. What are some good works that we can do? What do good works look like in Scripture? And that was one of the passages uh, that I referenced and some of the things that we as Christians need to do. Now, you may recall, if you saw that uh, message, that I, I spoke for just a second on justice and said that there was more to be said on that topic. And so tonight, that's what we are going to do. Uh, we are going to talk about justice. Now, uh, this is an important message for us, and particularly uh, in this point, point in time in our country uh, with the uh, idea of social justice and, and a lot of uh, proponents of that, uh, uh, really a lot of people pushing for uh, what is called social justice. Now, uh, this message is not intended to be uh, political in any way, but there are things that we as Christians uh, believe and we try to live by in God's Word that sometimes are against what the culture says. They are countercultural. There are some of the things that we talk about uh, and discuss in God's Word that sometimes become politicized in our country. Now, this is not a message about uh, politics in any way, shape, or form, but we need to understand what God's Word says when it comes to justice in particular because God's Word says a lot when it comes to justice. Now, we hear the term social justice being uh, tossed around a lot nowadays. But I believe that what we see in social justice, the term that we see and the definition that we see in our world today, really undermines the truth of what justice really is in God's Word. Now, as Christians, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you should desire to seek God's Word. We should want to know what it says, not just on the topic of justice, but on every topic. We should want to learn it and understand it as best we can. We as Christians want to make sure that we do not fall into the deception that some would call social justice. Now, maybe there are some parts of what is called social justice that we may agree with, uh, but, but generally speaking, the things that are labeled as social justice go against the things that God's Word says. Now, as Christians, we want to be judged. We should want justice to be served. But we don't want justice based on the world's definition of justice to be served, but we want justice based on what God's definition of justice is. What does the Bible say that justice is? So we're going to talk about what justice is in the Bible and how that uh, may apply to our lives as we live and the things that we do. So let's pray and we'll jump into God's Word. Father God, I come to you tonight and I thank you for these words. And I pray that you just bless the reading of your word. God, I pray that you be with our country. God, I pray that you would just help our country to, 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 to get back on track. I pray that you would help us to be a country that would turn to you and that would uh, live for you, dear Lord, and carry out your words and, and live by the truth of your word. And God, we talk about stuff like this. Sometimes it's tough. Uh, but God, this is a relevant issue to us, and, and we want to understand your word so we can understand the things that are going on around us. So help us to do that tonight. Help me to preach and teach in a way that brings glory to you. Hide me behind the cross. Give me just the right words to speak, and I pray that you're glorified. God, that we don't look at topics like this and sermons like this as political. Dear Lord, I don't care about politics. I care about Jesus, and I pray, God, that in everything we do, we understand your word, we put our trust in Jesus, and we follow Jesus' example. And God, help us not to be led astray by the things of the world. It's easy to do, God. So I pray that you help us not to do that, but to be prepared to fight against the deceptions of the world by knowing the truth of your word. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're going to be skipping across over lots of passages tonight. Uh, you may want to jot them down as I, as I speak them so you can go back and read them and study them in the context later. We're going to be looking at a lot and so we're not going to really break down the whole context and go into a lot of depth in all of them, but we're just trying to get an idea of the many references of justice in Scripture and what justice looks like in Scripture. 
so if you want to jot these down, you can. Uh, if you'd like, I can send them to me. Uh, send them to you. Excuse me. I'd be happy to do that. To email them to you or to text them to you. These references that I used. Uh, we're going to be going kind of quick, just just for time uh, purposes. Uh, but any of these that we go through that you want, I encourage you to let me know if you don't if you're not able to catch them on the video, uh, and I'll be happy to send them to you. Now, the passage we will start with is Isaiah chapter one, verse seventeen. This is the passage that was uh, briefly discussed last week, and this is where we're going to start. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17. Learn to do what is good, seek justice. Now, in this passage, it goes on to list some other things that God desires for his people to do, the ways that we are to live. But the very first thing he says there is he wants us to seek justice. Now, if you do a word search for justice in Scripture, you will find that there are many references to justice in Scripture. Justice is talked about quite often, uh, both in reference to God himself and in reference to the way that God wants us to live. Well, how is justice served? What does justice mean? Well, justice means that, that if someone does something that is wrong, that they receive a just punishment, that the punishment that they receive goes along with what that they have done. That is that uh, we should not punish innocent people and we should not over punish guilty people. People should only be punished uh, for what they are guilty of. That is justice. Uh, we should not allow anyone who is guilty of something uh, to go away unpunished. Justice needs to be served in some way. And we see that all throughout scripture. Now, Let's start with God. God is a just God. He is a God of justice. We see that all throughout the text. Psalm chapter 48, verse 10. Psalm 48, 10 says, Your name, God, like your praise, reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with justice. Isaiah 61, 8 says, For I, Yahweh, love justice. Psalm, Psalm 37, 28 says, For the Lord loves justice. Now, this is just three passages, but we get the idea. God is a just God. He himself says in Isaiah 61, 8, I, Yahweh, love justice. The psalm echoes that in Psalm 33. The Lord loves justice. The Lord is not going to allow evil to go unpunished. Now, God is a gracious God. He is a merciful God. And I think it's fair to say that in some ways, in some instances, that grace and mercy can accompany justice. That is, there are times when maybe we deserve worse than what we get. There were times in Scripture where Israel, for instance, deserved maybe worse than what they've got. There were times that they were deserving to be wiped away because of their sinfulness. And so are you and I. Now, oftentimes they were punished, but even in their punishment, God was merciful and God was gracious to them. Sometimes we see that mercy and that grace and compassion even take place uh, when justice is served. Perhaps someone commits a crime and stands before a judge in the courtroom and the judge uh, pronounces a sentence on the one who is guilty. They are punished in some way for what they have done. But perhaps the judge has a little leniency. Perhaps the judge uh, does something to help the person in some way. Uh, maybe the crime that they committed, let's say, was drunk driving. And the judge punishes them to some sentence. Maybe it's jail time. Uh, maybe it's community service. I don't know what sentence would accompany, uh, let's say, you get caught drunk driving. But perhaps with the sentence that's carried out, uh, maybe the judge says, all right, I'm going to lessen this sentence but I'm also going to send you to uh, some type of class or some type of counseling uh, to help you with your alcoholism. Uh, you're going to be punished because you've done wrong, but I don't want just to punish you. I also want to help you overcome what you're struggling with. I don't want this to be a problem for you in the future. Why? Because should the person get caught in the future, well, the second offense is going to get worse and worse and worse. The punishment will get worse. The judge may have a little leniency at first. Uh, most judges, I would say, probably don't have a desire to throw the book at the criminal and, and be as hard on them as they can, although there are some judges who may uh, would desire that. I believe there are probably many judges 
who would desire to see people do well and not make repeated trips to court. And so the judge, maybe on a first or second offense, may be a little more lenient. They may give them justice in some form with the sentence that's carried out, but they may also have some mercy and compassion by saying, okay, I'm also going to try to help you overcome what you're going through. Now that's one example of maybe where compassion, grace, and mercy uh, may accompany justice. Now those things are things that just come not because we deserve them, because the one who is in authority is giving us those things. Now that's true of God, of course, for sure, because what we deserve because of our sinfulness uh, is death, is to, is to be punished for all of eternity because of our sins. That's what we uh, would get were it not for God's graciousness. I mean, think about all the evil things you've done in your life. Things that you probably shouldn't have gotten away with, but you have. Maybe some way, at least in, in, in a human sense, you've gotten away with those things. But nothing that we do, do we get away with, with the Lord, because He sees everything. Now, there are probably things that we have done that, boy, God could have just struck us down on the spot, and He would have been just in doing so. But God does not always do that because he is patient. Now, one day God is going to serve justice uh, to all of us, to all who will stand before him. Justice will be served. For those of us who put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, our sins are covered. He has paid the price. He has taken the punishment for us. But for those who have not put their faith in Jesus Christ, then they will stand before the, before the Lord and they will receive just punishment. Now, we see that God is just throughout Scripture, not just because these uh, verses tell us so, but because we see that uh, acted out in the history of Israel in particular. Uh, if we read a little further, uh, we see an example of that. In Amos chapter 5, verse 24, it says, But let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. Now, in the context, the Lord is speaking of judgment that's going to come on Israel for their disobedience. And what's the language that's used? Let justice flow like water. There were many instances in Scripture where God was very just with His people, even it was when it was difficult. Now, God did not desire to bring His people Israel out of Egypt into a promised land so that He could punish them repeatedly for things that they did. Uh, that was not His desire. He desired to provide for them and take care of them. But their actions had to be punished. Their justice had to be served. God could not allow them to continue to live in their sin. Why? Because their sin was unhealthy for them. Now, when wrongdoing is not punished, when justice is not served when it needs to be, then we allow people who are doing wrong to continue to do wrong to their own hurt. When we continue in a path of sin and wrongdoing, it will eventually catch up to us. When we see, uh, let's say, parents uh, in, this, uh, in the world today, uh, we see children that are wrong. It's up to the parent to discipline the child. Disciplining the child shows the child that this is not right. You should not talk back to people. You should not take things that don't belong to you and things like that. When you see a child do those things, if you allow those things to go unpunished, then guess what? The child will learn no lesson. The child will continue to take things that aren't theirs. The child will continue to talk back. The child will continue to not understand what authority is. And one day the child will grow up and they will repeat those same things. They will become a thief. They will become one who disrespects authority. Why? Because they have never experienced any authority. They have only been allowed to do what they want to do all the time. There was never any punishment for their wrongdoing. Now, I have no children, but I can imagine that it, it has to be very difficult for a parent to, uh, to discipline their child. I believe it was difficult for the Lord when the Lord had to discipline his children Israel. I believe it's difficult for the Lord today when he has to discipline us. No father or mother, whether it be God, our heavenly father, or our earthly fathers and mothers, I don't believe, uh, for the most part, want to uh, harm their children. Now, there, I'll, I'll say that there are some cases, wrong cases, where there are bad parents, bad fathers and mothers, who may abuse their children, and that is uncalled for, and that is ungodly. But generally speaking, I would, I would say that 
that most parents probably do not desire to harm their children. It probably hurts the parent whenever they have to discipline their child. But discipline has to occur or else the child will never learn what is right or what is wrong. The Proverbs are full of instances and examples where that is spelled out, that a child must learn when he is doing wrong so that he will know what is right and later in life he won't repeat those same things. Discipline has to occur uh, for, for, for those who are doing wrong so that they can learn better uh, for their own safety, uh, not only for respecting authority and, uh, and not being a thief, but, but also for their own safety in a sense that uh, if you see your child uh, with a knife playing in a light socket, well, you hopefully as a parent are going to try to stop your child. You're going to say, get away from that thing. It can hurt you. If they don't listen, you may have to discipline them because they are not doing what they are told. Now, they may not understand what they are being told. They just understand, hey, this looks fun. I want to stick this piece of metal into this hole in the wall. But they don't understand what they are doing is wrong. But they learn that it's wrong if they are corrected, if they are disciplined. If you don't correct or discipline, guess what's going to happen? The child will take the knife and they will stick it into the light socket and it could kill the child. Now, it makes no sense. I can't imagine any parent saying, well, just let them go. If it gets them, it gets them. Well, that's not good parenting. That's not love. So in that case, if justice is carried out, that is, if punishment is carried out, if the person, the child, is corrected for their wrongdoing, they can hopefully learn from that and not suffer the consequences. Now, oftentimes, God told his people what not to do, and they did not learn, and they did have to suffer the consequences. But what God did not do was turn a blind eye to their sin. Was he patient sometimes? He was. Sometimes he was not, though. Sometimes he had already told them, and they didn't listen, and justice was served. They were punished for the sin that they committed. Sometimes maybe some of them learn their lesson, but as a whole, we see that Israel and Judah did not learn their lesson. They continued to do things that were sinful. Now, when justice is served, we are made aware that we have done something wrong. And I would venture to say, in many cases, that that justice probably keeps us from repeating the same offense. That is the case. If we continue to repeat the same offense, then the justice that is served is going to be more severe until eventually we will either end up in prison or end up killing ourselves because of our foolishness, because we did not heed the warnings that were before us, the justice that was being served. But what we cannot do is allow everyone to get away with everything, whether it be our children, whether it be people in our family, whether it be people in our church, uh, whether it be our world. We cannot allow evil to go unpunished because many who do evil may not know that evil is being done perhaps in their punishment when justice is served they will learn from the errors of their ways and turn from their wickedness but if evil continues to be evil uncorrected evil will only get more evil it will not get better evil is not going to become less evil by, 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 never being just, uh, by justice never being served because of the evil that's being done. You're not going to get good from evil in that way, but good can come from evil when justice is served. People can turn from their sinful ways. People can repent. People can learn the truth. People can say, okay, if I do this thing that I'm not supposed to do, then this consequence is going to occur. And I don't want this consequence to occur, so I'm not going to do this evil thing. And when that takes place, less evil things are done, and the world is a better place. But with no justice for the evil that's carried out, evil continues to grow into more evil and more evil. Let's continue on. Here's what God said to Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 16, 20. We know that God is a God of justice, and he also commands his people to be people of justice. Deuteronomy 16, 20 says, Pursue justice and justice alone, so that you will live and possess the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, this is the command that the Lord gave to the Israelites when they were going into the promised land or getting ready to go into the promised land. What's, what did he tell them here? 
pursue justice and justice alone. Now, there were other things, of course, that the Israelites had to do, but we see that justice was significant for them. God said, look, if you, if you pursue justice, then everything's going to be good for you. Uh, the Lord is going to bless you as you go into this land. If justice is not served, well, guess what? Things are going to go out of control. Well, guess what happened? Justice was not served, and the land went out of control. Uh, you may remember the story uh, we talked about just a, a, a few months back, I believe it was in Judges, uh, about the man whose who's, uh, concubine was, was abused all night long by the men in the, in the particular town he was in. Uh, and he chopped the concubine up and he uh, sent her to all the villages, a piece of her to all the villages in Israel uh, and asked that justice be done, that the town that was guilty of uh, carrying out those acts would be punished for the acts that were carried out. And the people went to those who had done the evil acts. They went to the city and they said, send out the ones who were guilty of the acts that have been committed. And the city would not uh, hand over the ones who had done the crime uh, for justice to be served. And therefore, all of the people had to be punished because of that. Now, God's people did not let the, the, the outrageous acts, the evil acts, go unpunished. They brought justice. It was difficult. They even had compassion on those that they had to bring justice on afterwards by providing wives for the, for the men who were left of the tribe that was, uh, that was fought against. They had compassion afterwards. It did not, uh, they weren't happy that they had to go and carry out justice, but they knew that justice had to be served or else evil would run rampant. And so that's a good example in Scripture of somewhere where justice was carried out in the way that God told them to carry out justice. Of course, there are other instances where they continued to allow evil to take place, and they did not call out evil. They did not punish evil. They instead applauded evil. Uh, and more joined into evil in some cases. And that's not what God told them to do. He called them to pursue justice. And he calls you and I to pursue justice as well. Job chapter 8 verse 3. Now, in the story of Job, all these bad things are happening to him. And, and, and Job is a righteous man of integrity, the scripture tells us. And Job has some friends and they're coming to him. And they give him a lot of bad advice along the way. Advice that the Lord calls him out for at the end of the book. But one of the things that one of Job's friends says uh, was true, and it was speaking of God. Uh, Job's friend Bildad said in uh, Job 8.3, Does God pervert justice? Does the Almighty pervert what is right? Now this is a rhetorical question. No, the Lord does not pervert justice. Sometimes, however, justice is perverted in our world because there are evil people who are in power. There are people who do not seek to live for the Lord and as sinful uh, human beings, sometimes justice is perverted in this world. Now, that does not mean that justice is a bad thing. It means that those who are exerting the perverted justice are bad people. But God is perfect. He is always perfect in all he does. He is perfect in his justice. And if God is perfect and he is a just God who carries out justice, we know that justice is not a bad thing. It's only a bad thing when it's carried out wrongly, when it's carried out uh, in an evil way by someone who is doing evil. But just because we see that occur sometimes in our world today or maybe in the past in our world does not mean that there is a flaw with justice. It means that there is a flaw with man, that man is sinful. And sadly, we see sinful man uh, unjustly uh, carrying out uh, what they would call justice, but it in all actuality, it's not justice at all, not justice in the way that the Lord calls us to be just. Now, when we see those type of people, well, there's not really much we can do. We just trust the Lord that he will deal with them in his way, in his time, perhaps in this life or perhaps in the life to come. But no unjust act will go unpunished. All just unjust deeds will be punished by the Lord. And so it's difficult when we see injustice being done by people in this world who claim to be carrying out justice. But oftentimes, uh, those who would carry out uh, uh, injustice in an evil way are only seeking their own desires uh, and what they want to get something uh, carried out in their way. And that's not the way justice should be used. Justice should be uh, blind to showing favoritism to one or to the other. 
and justice should be blind to uh, benefiting uh, ourselves over someone else. Justice is what is true and what is right, regardless of what the circumstances are, the people involved, uh, who they are or what they have done. Justice needs to be carried out based on this is what is right and this is what is wrong. And if what is wrong is done, here is the punishment for whoever has done the wrong that is committed. To pervert justice. Now, we just talked about that a little bit. Sometimes people pervert justice. They do things that are not just at all. But the Bible is pretty clear that we are not to pervert justice and the way that justice is carried out and give several examples of what that looks like. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 4, it says, This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the wicked restrict the righteous, therefore justice comes out perverted. Now, when the righteous are living righteously and carrying out justice, then guess what? Things are going to work out far the better. But when the evil are overrunning the righteous, then guess what? Justice is going to be perverted because true justice is not being served. When evil is in control, the wicked have no desire to carry out justice in the way that God calls us to carry out justice. Because to carry out justice means to acknowledge that something is wrong. To carry out justice means to say, you have done something wrong and you are to be punished for it. You have done something wrong and it will no longer be allowed to continue. Now, we who read God's Word, who are Christians, uh, we, we seek for righteousness to be done. Uh, we seek for evil to be corrected, and sometimes it's corrected in us. We see plenty of scriptures that we may read that may convict us about evil that's in our life. We are not perfect because we are Christians. There are some times that God must discipline us. There are some times uh, that we may do wrong, uh, and we should not go unpunished. It's, it's uh, for, for doing wrong simply because we are Christians. Uh, not that we cannot be forgiven of those things, but there is punishment sometimes that comes. And we as Christians uh, should welcome that punishment. It's not easy, uh, but we should, we should desire punishment, not just for ourselves, but for justice to be served among others too. Wickedness, however, the wicked person does not desire for that to be the case. Uh, to, uh, to carry out justice, as I mentioned, you have to say and acknowledge that something is wrong. Uh, but wickedness does not acknowledge its wrongdoing. Wickedness wants to say that everything is okay. Everything goes. There is nothing wrong. Who are you to tell me what is right and what is wrong? Well, we go by God's Word. And as Christians, whatever we see in God's Word that God says is right or wrong, then we can say as Christians, this is right or this is wrong. We may live in a world that does not want to hear that there are things that are wrong. We may live in a world that when we say anything is wrong at all, that the world will say, well, you are a hater. You are a hypocrite. You are judgmental. Why? Because the world is full of wickedness. And wickedness does not acknowledge any wrong. Wickedness says everything is right. Everyone do what they want to do and choose to do. When we speak the word of God and speak the truth of God's word that says, no, there are things that are wrong, and we speak against those things, and say this or that is wrong, well, guess what? The world doesn't want to hear it. And when wickedness is in power, when wickedness is in control, true justice will never be carried out, as we see here in Habakkuk. What will be the result? It will be perverted justice, something that claims to be justice, but is far from the truth of what God's Word says. That is what we see with social justice in our world today. Uh, it takes the word justice, which all people would say, yes, we want justice, but it undermines the truth of God's word and what justice really is. It twists justice into something that the Bible does not say justice is. It twists justice in a way to say that there will be no punishment for wrongdoing, that everyone can do what they want, and that those who uh, have too much or those who are doing well will uh, have to give to those who are not doing well, and everybody will be equal, and that's what true justice is. That's what social justice uh, means. And we see that in our world today uh, all over the place. 
But that's not what justice is in the Bible. Now, our world is clever in taking a term that uh, everybody likes and wants, justice, and putting social in front of it. Boy, that sounds pretty friendly. That sounds good, right? We've got social media and social justice, and it, it has a good ring to it. But what we see in our world today that's called social justice is not the justice of the Bible. And it undermines what the justice of the Bible says. And it allows wickedness to go unpunished. It allows no justice to be served at all, but for justice to be perverted. People think that justice is being served. People think that justice is being carried out, uh, but they don't know what the definition of justice is because they don't know the Word of God. And we as Christians want to know the Word of God because we live in a world where we experience these things and we hear uh, these phrases repeatedly. And we hear people who may attack us if we don't agree or repeat these phrases. But well, we don't want to stand on what the world says is justice. We want to stand on what God says is justice. And as Habakkuk says, look, when evil and wickedness is in control, uh, then guess what? Justice is going to be perverted. Let's read a little further. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 5. It is not good to show partiality to the guilty by perverting the justice due the innocent. Okay, now here we see this idea a lot through Scripture. It's not good to show partiality to the guilty, perverting justice due the innocent. Now, when we see people who are guilty, we cannot overlook that guilt. We cannot allow guilt, those who are guilty, the wicked, those who have done an evil thing, to go unpunished. Well, that's not justice for those who are innocent. Uh, when an innocent person is harmed by someone who is doing something wicked, and we don't harm, or excuse me, when we don't uh, punish those who are doing the wicked, then guess what? We're saying what you did is okay. Well, there's no justice being served for the one who was innocent. Now, some would argue, well, there's justice for the one who did uh, what is evil because something bad was done to them at some point in time, but that's not what justice is. And the Bible is pretty clear. Here we see the first example. Don't show partiality to the guilty uh, because you want to provide justice to the innocent. And you cannot do that unless the guilty is punished. Exodus chapter 23, verse 2. You must not follow a crowd in wrongdoing. Do not testify in a lawsuit and go along with a crowd to pervert justice. Now, if everybody around us is doing wrong, does that mean that we are supposed to do wrong? Absolutely not. Uh, when everybody is doing wrong and doing wicked, and we all go along with the crowd and enter into that wrong and that wicked, it says that it will pervert justice. That a, that a crowd going along in wickedness is going to pervert justice. That's what God says in Exodus 23, verse 2. So, he goes on to explain a little further. So, what should be done so that proper justice is carried out? Well, in 23 verse 3, it says, Do not show favoritism to a poor person in a lawsuit. Now, the Bible is clear. We are not to show favoritism to anyone. And here it says, Do not show favoritism to a poor person. Now, this is something that, that we need to be aware of because we may see people who are really struggling and we may say boy they come from a really bad background and and boy they had a, a hard upbringing and they don't have much they're poor and we feel we feel bad in those situations we feel bad for people who may have struggles uh, that they have gone through or are going through and we may uh, have a tendency to say well boy they did this thing but boy let's let's let them slide because They've really had a hard go in life, and it's only fair to give them a break since things are going so bad for them. Let's kind of level out what the world's dealt to them. You know, maybe they've done this wrong thing, but we're going to let them get away with it. Well, that's not what the Bible says justice is. It says do not show favoritism to a poor person. Now, we may be compassionate uh, with them in some way. We may want to help them in some way uh, once justice is served, as we talked about in the example a while ago, but we cannot allow justice, or excuse me, uh, evil to go unpunished without justice to be served, whether it's a poor person or a rich person. If something is wrong, it's wrong for the rich and the poor, and justice doesn't show favoritism. Let's read a little further. 
In verse uh, 6, Exodus 23, 6, you must not deny justice to a poor person among you in his lawsuit. Now, this is just the opposite. We're not to show favoritism to the poor person because they are poor, but we are also not supposed to deny justice to the poor person because they are poor. Uh, if someone is poor, we shouldn't say, well, they don't, they don't count for much. They're homeless. They don't have anything. Uh, why do we care what happens to them? No, we do care about everyone. Whether they are rich or poor, they shouldn't get off the hook if they have been wrong. <coughs> if someone has been wronged, whether the person who has been wronged is rich or poor, it should not matter. We should not rush to their cause if they're rich and say, oh, we've got to help them because they're rich and wealthy. No, we should do that for everybody, the poor person too. If someone has been wrong, we should want justice to be served. If someone has done wrong, we should want justice to be served. There is no favoritism uh, that should take place when it comes to justice. But that's not what we see in our world today when we talk about social justice. Uh, if I may read to you a definition from Allie Stuckey, uh, her definition of between justice and injustice is this. Justice is getting what you deserve without favor. Social justice is getting what you don't deserve because you are favored. Now, this goes against what the Bible would say. We are not supposed to show favoritism to anybody no matter what their social status is, whether they are rich, whether they are poor, no matter what their skin color may be, no matter where they live, no matter how young they are, no matter how old they are. Justice is served when wrong is done and the one committing the wrong is punished for that. That's what justice is. There's no favoritism that takes place in true justice, in the justice that the Lord would desire for us to carry out. Let's read Leviticus 19.15. You must not act unjustly when deciding a case. Do not be partial to the poor or give preference to the rich. Judge your neighbor fairly. Again, this is what we just talked about. There's lots of scriptures that say this. There is to be no favoritism. Now, we may have a tendency to want to do that, but that's not what justice is. Sometimes we, we want to do that uh, in, in a... In a I guess we could call it a good way when we see someone who is poor and had a, a tough go of life. We may want to show some favoritism. And, and, and our intent, I guess, is good there. We do have compassion in some way. Uh, but we cannot allow our, our compassion uh, to come before justice is served. Now, some people may would use that preferential treatment uh, in a bad way, and that partiality in a bad way uh, to allow people who are uh, evil to get away with more evil, and we don't want to do that either. Either way, uh, that's a bad motive when you say, I want to allow people who are guilty of evil to do more evil, uh, and that somehow justifies evil that was done to them at another time or evil that was done in the past. No, that's not justification right there. That is more wickedness turning into more wickedness. Now that right there is fake justice carried out by evil motives. Uh, when we show favoritism to the poor, well, that's not justice either. The motives may be a little better, but, but that in itself is, is, is an injustice. And so we need to be careful that we don't uh, fall into the trap of what the world may say is just, but instead stick to what God's Word says is just. Proverbs 24, verses 24 and 25. Whoever says to the guilty, you are innocent, people will curse him and trials will denounce him. But it will go well with those who convict the guilty, and a generous blessing will come to them. Again, the same thing we've been talking about in all these other verses. Don't say to one who is guilty, you are innocent. And don't say to one who is innocent, you are guilty. These things, uh, this is not the way justice is carried out. This is not what justice is. The Bible says what justice is, is that when evil is done, evil is punished. Uh, the world would say that what justice is, is if someone else has done wrong in the past, or someone doesn't have as much as they think they should have, then everyone in the world should be treated equal, and there's this Robin Hood type mindset. 
we need to take from the rich and we need to give to the poor so that everyone is equal in every way and then that is what true justice really is. But that is not what the Bible's definition of justice really is. In some way, that's doing exactly what the Bible doesn't say because some of those that may be taken from who have a lot may be completely innocent. But yet they are being punished so that they can help those who may be receiving, who have done nothing but squander all they had, who have spent their life in foolishness, who have spent their life in prison, who have spent their life uh, uh, not working at all. Now how is that just to take from someone who is innocent, who has worked and who has, uh, who has saved up, to give to someone who has not done anything but committed crimes? Yes, at the end of the day, both people will be equal when it comes to what they have. But that's not justice. Our world will say that that is justice, but the Bible would say that that is injustice, to take from the innocent to give to those who are guilty. That is an injustice. But our world will try to cleverly disguise that injustice by calling it by a catchy name, social injustice, uh, and, and therefore uh, convince people to get on board with the, with the deception that true justice is being carried out. While all the while, what is being done is against what God's Word really says. Now, when it comes to carrying out justice, how is justice to be carried out? Well, we must be careful. There are probably times, there are no doubt times, that maybe we are in a position in our personal lives and things that go on that we may be the ones who are serving justice in some way. I, I say that but I say, I say that cautiously. We need to be careful that we are not the ones who are trying to carry out justice for the whole world in every situation. Now, I believe that, that, that God, first and foremost, is one who brings justice. But we also see in Scripture that it says God places those in authority to carry out justice. We have our governors and our, our leaders in our countries, whatever country it may be. There are leaders and there are governments and there are laws that are established and there are punishments that are laid out for those laws. There are judges and there are juries. And when wrong is done, people stand before the judge and they stand before the jury. And if they have done wrong, then the sentence is, is, is announced. If they are guilty, there is punishment and consequences that come along with that. So when we see people who, let's say, uh, break into our house and steal everything we have, and we're just pulling in, and they get away, and they're no harm to us, they're running away with our stuff, well, I don't believe that we are justified in saying, well, that person has stolen all my things, therefore I'm going to run them over with my car and break their legs, or I'm going to shoot them. Now, I don't believe that's a very Christ-like response, and I don't believe we are justified in that. Now, you may say, justice has been served. That's what you get for taking my stuff. That's what you get for breaking into my home or whatever crime has been committed. Uh, we may want to do those things, but we are not justified in those things. We need to let the law handle those things. We need to say, okay, so-and-so has done such and such a crime. We report that crime. And may sometimes those crimes go unpunished? They may. There may be times that justice does not go serve in this life. But justice will be served when they stand before the Lord. If someone has wronged you, or if you have wronged someone, guess what? Justice is going to be served. We may escape justice in this world, but we will never escape justice from the Lord. Now, I believe we need to listen to the authorities that God has put in place, so long as they are not asking us to do something that is against God's commands. If that's the case, then we live by the word of God, and that may bring punishments uh, that, that we are not deserving, at least from breaking a worldly law, but that's okay. It's better to be punished by breaking the laws of man that are ungodly than to be punished by following the laws of man uh, and, and being judged by God for not following His commands. But many times, justice is served. A crime is committed, the proper authorities are called, the person goes before the judge, and a sentence is carried out. It's not always the case, but many times that probably is the case. There are lots of people who are in authority, uh, I believe, who have the authority to 
bring justice. Maybe it's a, a teacher in a classroom and a child is doing wrong. Say a child in a classroom has cheated on a test and the teacher knows that that child has cheated and the teacher knows that child's history. Let's say the child comes from an abusive home, from a poor home, and things are difficult. Now, the teacher may be tempted, as we talked about earlier, to say, well, boy, I'm going to give this kid a break. Even though I know they cheated, or even though that I know that they haven't done well all year and they're in no way capable of passing on their own, they don't have the skills or the knowledge that they need to progress to the next grade, I feel sorry for this child, so I'm going to let them get away with cheating. I'm going to let them get away with their bad grades that they should have made by bumping up their grade a few points so that they can pass and go to the next level. Well, that may seem like a nice thing to do, but that is an injustice to the kid. Because if every teacher does that throughout the, the, the child's life, then guess what? Pretty soon the child will graduate high school without the skill and the knowledge that they need to live in the world because they have never been taught because they have, they have never been called out for their cheating, for they're not doing their work. Instead, the teacher turns a blind eye. You cannot allow a, a student to continually cheat because they are not learning. If they do not know the answers and they're cheating, they're not learning. And if they're not learning and you pass them on to the next grade, well, then that's an injustice to the child. If, for instance, you see a child cheating, even though they may have a rough background, and you say, look, you cheated, and that's not right. And I'm giving you a zero on this test. I'm giving you an F. You have failed because of what you've done. Now, that may be difficult for the kid, but probably in a good way. Now, as a teacher, you carry out justice in the way that it should be carried out, but you can also have compassion along with that justice. You can say, okay, I see that you are struggling and you did wrong, and you're punished for that, but let me help you. I know that you're having a hard time. Maybe you don't understand. Maybe your home life is difficult, but I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna spend extra time with you. I'm gonna give you extra help on your assignments because I wanna see you pass. I wanna see you succeed. Now that's justice carried out. The child is punished for what they did that was wrong, but if we have compassion, even on those that sometimes receive justice, that may be what it takes to turn their life around. A child who goes unpunished, is going to grow up and an injustice will be served. He will go uh, grow up uneducated. But a child who is punished and learns it's not right to cheat, it's not right for me to do wrong, so I'm gonna work hard. And perhaps by a teacher spending a little time with a child and showing a little compassion even to one who has done wrong, that may make all the difference. And you go from a situation where injustice is served to a situation where justice is served and the one who is guilty, hopefully, comes out of the situation better for it. Now those are a couple of examples. Government teachers, there may be people who are in an authority role that have the authority to carry out justice, and justice needs to be carried out, even when it's difficult. Now as I mentioned, perhaps there are personal instances in our life that things go on in our homes or things go on in our jobs. Perhaps we're, a, uh, we're the boss or the owner of a job. There may be times where wrong is done and things need to be addressed and justice needs to be served. Well, we need to be careful and pray that the Lord would help us to know how to serve justice and not be overbearing and not allow our justice to turn into vengeance. Because oftentimes what uh, people will claim as justice is actually vengeance. People will say, I'm doing this thing because it's right and justice needs to be served. But they're not really seeking justice, they're seeking revenge. And that leads to hate and anger and wickedness and all kinds of problems. And when wickedness continues to build, justice will never be served. Repaying, wicked, uh, repaying a wicked act with another wicked act will not, will not feel justice. It will not. Justice does not occur when wickedness uh, attacks wickedness. Justice occurs when wickedness uh, is punished for the wickedness that is done. And we need to make a distinction between what justice is and what vengeance is. In Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 6, it says, Everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist are instituted by God. 
So then, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have its approval. For government is God's servant for good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For government is God's servant, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Now, here's a good scripture to tell us that, look, God has put people in command. Are there bad leaders in the world? Absolutely. There are bad people in charge. Sometimes God allows bad people even to be in charge. But there are a lot of good leaders in the world, maybe most good leaders in the world, who carry out government in a way that God desires. And it says that God has given the government the authority to carry out the sword and bring proper punishment, whatever that punishment may be. So what we need in, in our world and all of our governance is for justice to be served. When evil is done, justice needs to be served to the evil that was done. We see a good example of, of justice being carried out in, in one of the ministries that we support, the Free Burma Rangers. Now here's a good example of, a, of, of, of a horrible things that were done to the people of Burma, oppression and poor leadership where the government is not doing right by their people. Uh, the Free Burma Rangers go in and attempt to rescue the people to get them to safety, to uh, bring food and supplies that they need. They also do that in different places where ISIS has been attacking. Uh, they, they have done that in different areas around the world to love on people and to be there for people when justice is not being served, when they are being oppressed. Now, there are times in our world where justice is not served. And when justice is not served and evil, evil runs rampant, guess what happens? Things are out of control. Uh, we see that in Burma. There's an example of a government who is not uh, doing what is right to their people, who is not being just in what they do, and great injustice is being done to those people. In Proverbs chapter 31, verse 8, it says, Speak up for those who have no voice, for the justice of all who are dispossessed. Now, this is exactly what the Free Burma Rangers are doing. They're speaking up for those where an injustice is being done. And that's probably the best example I know because the people uh, who live in Burma are greatly oppressed and suffer greatly. So what do we do when there is injustice that is being done to us? Should we always act on a personal level as we talked about a while ago if someone is personally doing us wrong? Well, maybe there are times that we must act and it's within our uh, 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 power to bring justice that needs to be served. But there are many times that perhaps we just need to wait on the Lord. Romans chapter 12, verses 19 and 20 through 21 says, Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for his wrath. For it is written, Vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will be reaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil by good. Now, it may be easy for us when we are wrong to want to get that revenge, to seek that vengeance. But this verse says, look, that belongs to the Lord. We're not going to fight evil with evil and win. That's why he says, look, don't be conquered by evil. Don't do the things uh, that those who are doing evil against you do. But conquer evil with good. Do the right thing. Allow God to be the one who brings justice and vengeance. Sometimes we just have to step back and allow God to do what needs to be done. Isaiah 30, 18 says, Therefore the Lord is waiting to show you mercy and is rising up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a just God. All who wait patiently for him are happy. When it comes to justice, sometimes we simply need to wait for the Lord. Now, perhaps some of you watching this are those who are in a, a position of authority. Perhaps you are in government or you are a judge or you are on a jury. And I believe that God puts these places, uh, these people of leadership in place uh, to carry out justice. And when we do carry out justice, we need to do it based on what God's word says. We don't show partiality. We don't show favoritism. 
uh, we, we, we bring justice when it needs to be served. When evil is done, it must be punished. It does not mean that there can't be a measure of compassion and grace and mercy that cannot come after justice is carried out, but justice must first be carried out. Because if we are not just in our actions, if wickedness is never punished, if evil is never dealt with, then evil will only continue to rise. And our world may say more evil is better, but the Bible says more evil is bad. The world may say, let people do what they want. It's okay. That's what justice is. Everybody's equal and should be able to do what they choose. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible does not say that people can do everything they want and it's okay. Yes, we're all created equal by God, but that doesn't mean that we, cannot all, that we can all do what we want to do when we want to do it. We must seek the Lord to know what justice really is. We must seek the truth of God's word, not the lies of what the world says. We must know that God is just, and one day justice will be served. Even if it's not served in situations that you're going through in this world, it will one day be served. So we allow those who God has put into authority to enact justice when it needs to be carried out. Perhaps there are times that you may have to carry out that justice. Maybe in your own household with things that may go, be going on with your own children. There are times that punishment needs to take place. And when evil goes unpunished, it will only get more evil. Until eventually that evil will grow into something that will be out of control. It's better to bring justice when things are getting out of control to keep things from getting out of control because God desires for us to seek him to live in what is good not to live in what is evil and wicked and when he corrects us and when he corrects us through his words and things that he shows us and we see that we are wrong we acknowledge that hopefully that's what he calls us to to acknowledge that we are wicked not continue to live in it because when we acknowledge that we are wicked and we are doing wrong and we come to the Lord then then, then he can forgive us. When we say, all right, God, I am wicked and evil, but I trust that you sent your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that truth. I know that he died on the cross for me and, and was raised three days later. And God, I'm turning from my wickedness. Now, the punishment that we may have had to experience to come to that conclusion, that hard time that we had to go through, we probably didn't like it. But if it drew us closer to the Lord by suffering the consequences of our evil, then praise God for it. But if we continue in our evil and it goes unpunished, there's an injustice that's done. God does not allow us to continue on our evil without it going unpunished. Because He loves us. He knows that our evil is only going to lead us to more evil and ultimately keep us separated from Him. So when God gives us His word, when God tells us that some things are right and some things are wrong, it's for our own good so that we won't continue in those things, but that we will continue in His word that we will continue to seek Jesus Christ, that we will seek Him to be forgiven of our sins because Jesus took the punishment for our sins. All the sins that you and I commit, Lord, we deserve a great punishment for them. We deserve death. But praise the Lord that through Jesus Christ, when we come to Him, we receive life. Yeah, we'll one day leave this old world, but when we stand before the Lord, our sins will be covered by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Because He took the punishment that we deserve. We're not getting away with anything. The fact that we will one day be with the Lord if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ doesn't mean that we're getting away with our sin. It means that Jesus has already paid the price for it. And if you have not trusted Him today, then He has not paid the price for your sins. But if you put your faith in Him, he's, He'll cover you. He'll make you as white as snow. He'll take the wicked from your life. And He'll turn you into something good hadn't done that, I hope tonight you will. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you now, and I thank you for these words, and I pray that you would help us to learn from them. I pray that you would just help us to seek what justice really is, dear Lord. God, to help us to be just in our actions, and God, when justice is carried out on us, if we ever do evil, help us to learn from that. God, help us to not be uh, just running wild in our wickedness, but to learn from our wicked ways and repent of those things, dear Lord. Help our country, help our world, help us to know what justice really is based on your word and help us to live that in the best way we can. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvn at me.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.